When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Lamarice along with my co-host, the Ohio State Tech subscribers. This is what we're trying on Wednesdays for this season, for now at least. We are going to run through the 10 biggest things that are on my mind and your mind with Ohio State football. This is coming off Tuesday interviews. On Tuesday, we talked to Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, Cade Stover, Paris Johnson, and Ronnie Hickman. That's going to be a normal Tuesday for us with Ohio State. We're going to get Day and Knowles and then probably three players. And that's where you sort of establish the baseline for the week. And I want to come on this Wednesday pod by myself, but with the tech subscribers as my co-hosts and run through what matters most, what we heard, what we interpreted, what we learned, what we're thinking about with Ohio State football. It's not a news show. This is not a news regurgitation podcast. You guys know that. It's an analysis podcast, but I want to sort of dive in on what people are thinking and talking about, sort of based off Tuesday, sort of based off where where we are. Now, this is a little different today because it's the preseason, right? And we're still thinking really big picture. But I think most weeks we'll dig in a little more, like not just on the game. We're not just going to analyze, you know, the Arkansas State secondary, but but I, I don't want to go too big picture all the time because I want to base off like, hey, this is what's happening with the team right now. So. Nathan and Steven aren't going to be on this Wednesday pod because they're going to take that Tuesday and write and write and report and write. And and I don't write anymore, barely. So I can be here on the pod. So I sent a call out to Texas. I said, I need your rants and takes. We're probably on Thursdays going to do a Buckeye rapid fire Q&A more often than not. So this is not that. This is not questions. This is rants. This is takes. This is opinions. And we're going to do 10. And a little bit later, I asked people, help me name this thing. My gosh, do people love naming things. It almost made me think. I went to uh, a horse track a couple weeks ago when I was back visiting my mom, because that's just what we do in my family. You guys want to go to the track? Yeah, let's go to the track. Should we buy a horse? Should we collectively, as Buckeye Talk listeners, buy a horse and just so we can name it? My friend owned a horse one time, and as he was a part owner of a bad horse at a small track, and as he pointed out, uh, a horse can on occasion get hurt and not be able to run, but a horse eats every day. 
Whether it's running or not, it eats every day. So it was a losing proposition for him. We wouldn't be in it for the money or even the fun, just the naming. So later on, I'll reveal some of the great names that people suggested for this show. I said it's like a hot list, 10 things that are hot with Ohio State football. That's an awful name. So people sent in names, but I want to get to what people are thinking about. Most of the time, I thought it'd be five of my rants and five of the texter rants. Today's more like seven texter rants and three from me because the texter ones were so good. We're going to hit different things, and let's go here. Number 10 on the list. We got a 100. We got more than a 100 submissions. I read every single one of them. I thought they were amazing. A lot of them were sort of on similar themes. I can't do them all. If you're a tech subscriber, you can be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. Thank you so much for doing it. It makes my night. It makes it fun for me to hear you guys bring your opinions. But if we did 100 rants, it'd be a nine-hour podcast. This is from Chris in Austin, Texas. His take, his rant. Number 10. Lathan Ransom will be a breakout player in the secondary. Dude has laid the wood, ending the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern and the deflection interception at the end of the uh, Clemson playoff game. He will come out and punish any pass catcher that dares to come over the middle or any tight ends that want to hurt us through the middle of the field, start molding the statue. So I like this take because Jim Knowles likes this take. Jim Knowles on Tuesday again talked about Lathan Ransom. I have a very specific theory sort of of asking questions um, that I don't, in a news conference, I don't want to put too much on the person answering the question. I don't want to say, in the whole wide world, what is the most, what is the best, what is the worst, what does this compare to? I want to get specific and help that person narrow in on their range of answers so I think you get a better, more thorough answer because they don't have to consider everything in the whole world. So I never, I almost never ask questions like, hey, who's the player that has stood out the most, right? Because then you're standing there, you're Jim Knowles, you're trying to run through 42 guys in the defensive side of the ball and do that. There are people who ask questions like that. I think a lot of the time you get surface level answers there because after three seconds, people are just trying to get through the question and they can't run through the whole roster in their head. But every now and then you don't get a surface level answer. Jim Knowles got a question like that on Tuesday and he went right again to Lathan Ransom. So I wrote a story on Tuesday about how I think Court Williams might be the answer to, to guarding Michael Mayer. We're going to have a question about Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight end, coming up soon. But the, I might be wrong because it might be Lathan Ransom. Lathan Ransom is about 10 or 12 pounds lighter than Court Williams. But Jim Knowles cannot stop talking about this guy. Number one, he's back earlier from his very serious injury than people thought. And the thing that Jim Knowles keeps bringing up is this is a read and react and attack kind of guy. And man, doesn't it get you fired up to read about an attacking, decisive, analyze and go kind of player. You, We love guys like that. That's part of like we let, why we like Court Williams, because he had that play in the Rose Bowl against Utah where he got in the backfield and made a tackle. That's why we like Steel Chambers when he showed up on the scene at linebacker last year, because all of a sudden, every now and then there's a linebacker getting through a gap and getting in the backfield and tackling a running back, which we weren't seeing as much early in the season. So Jim Doles cannot stop talking about this guy. I'm super interested in do they take Tanner McAllister as the nickel safety off the field, sometimes against an offense that's going to be maybe going to put two tight ends on the field, maybe 30, 40% of the time, maybe not as much as I've been anticipating. We'll have to see. Last, last year in the Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame really did spread it out um, with – what they wanted to do often had three receivers plus Mayer. Mayer lined up in the slot out wide more than half the time. They might do that. They might not have two tight ends in the game, you know, 
half the time, but they will have two tight ends sometimes, and they're going to have Mayer, who's 6'5", 265, moving all over the field. So Knowles said you want a bigger body on Mayer. Court Williams is the biggest body, but Lathan Ransom is playing big. He's playing decisive, and I think we might see, it might be that if Proctor and Hickman, more often than not, are the deep safeties, it might be Lathan Ransom, who's the wrinkle player against Notre Dame, more than Court Williams, the way that Jim Knowles talks. So Chris in Texas, uh, in Austin, Texas, if you're on Statue Watch, eh, statues, I like statues. If you're on Statue Watch for Lathan Ransom, wouldn't it be a great story like this guy as a freshman winds up covering Jalen Waddell in the national title game? It's like, hey, true freshman, you want to go do that? And now here we are, and like he's ready to really do something. So back from the injury early, and and as Nathan has pointed out a lot with Jim Knowles, if Jim Knowles doesn't have a handle on you, he he in speaking about you, he just kind of moves on to the next guy because he's basically saying, I don't have enough information. Let's move on to somebody that I do have information on. So early on, he didn't have enough information on Lathan Ransom because he's coming off an injury. Once he started getting info on Lathan Ransom, he cannot stop talking about him. Play big, play fast, play decisive. I think Chris might be on to something. Listen, you know, we all have guys on our bus. I don't know if there's room for both Lathan Ransom and Court Williams to be great, to pop this year. I don't know. Not with not with two healthy and present guys in, in Proctor and Hickman. If they're both there, I just don't know if there's room for Ransom and Williams. As much as I've been all over Court Williams, I might be I might be looking the wrong direction there. It might be Lathan Ransom in that room. So Chris is on it, and I think Jim Knowles might be on it as well. That's our first take. That's our first rant. That's the kind of thing we're looking for. I really like that one because it's you're staking a claim on a specific player. I said, hey, give me something about a position group or a part of the game or a player. Maybe you don't even have to say, I think this guy's going to be great or not great, but you're saying, I think this is the determining factor this week. We're overlooking how important this area is this week, this month against this style of team, that kind of stuff. I love it. Let's go to Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight end. This is from the 254. Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer will not have more than three catches, none for more than 10 yards. Jim Knowles will have him covered under and over the top. On third and four or third and five, Notre Dame will throw a slant. Teams always run the slant on third and five. That will be intercepted. So, this is staking a claim that Michael Mayer is not going to be a factor. I asked the texters. Last week, I sent out my list of who I think the best skill players are that, that Ohio State's going to face this year. And I had, I think, Braylon Allen 1 and Michael Mayer 2. Wisconsin running back, Notre Dame tight end. Michael Mayer is like an NFL tight end. He plays like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Darren Waller and Dalton Schultz and all these best guys in the league right now who are, are tight end bodies but run routes like receivers. And yes, they can block, but they put them out in the slot. Uh, again, Mayer... Last year was was on the end of the line, right? An inline tight end with his hand on the ground, you know, like a good chunk of the time, half the time, but then was out wide either in motion as a receiver or out in that slot about half the time as well. He's going to move all over the field. And again, when you watch the Fiesta Bowl last year, and I, th- I think you guys have a handle on this by now because it's kind of weird. Last year, Notre Dame and Oklahoma State played in the Fiesta Bowl, New Year's Six Bowl. Brian Kelly... The Notre Dame coach was gone by then. So it actually was Marcus Freeman's first game as a head coach for Notre Dame. So this is not actually like Marcus Freeman's debut. 
It's his first regular season game, but Jim Knowles was also gone by then. He had left Oklahoma State, so it was it was the new Notre Dame coach, but against not the Jim not against Jim Knowles, but it was Jim Knowles's style of defense and Jim Knowles's players. And so Jim Knowles has been asked a lot about that in the last couple of weeks, and it's one of those things: familiarity. Which way does that cut? Is it good for you? Is it good for them? You know, they they watch that film a lot. I don't know who has an edge for it okay but i this is really staking a claim because i think this is actually like a huge issue for ohio state linebacker will be involved you could see moments last year where malcolm rodriguez who's that will linebacker who was really a a playmaker uh for jim Knowles last year probably their best defensive player there was uh, another um safety for them colby harvell peel i think that's right who was like a big time playmaker too those were kind of like two guys who made a lot of plays um but Rodriguez was really good. I initially thought maybe Court Williams was going to be the Rod- Malcolm Rodriguez of this defense, but that makes you a Will linebacker. So there were times where Rodriguez was was dealing with Michael Mayer. That would be Steel Chambers. And then there were times when the other three safeties in the Oklahoma State defense were dealing with Michael Mayer. So that would be, could it be Josh Proctor? Could it be Ronnie Hickman? Could it be times when Tanner McAllister certainly will be in the game and dealing with Michael Mayer? Or could it be Court Williams or Lathan Ransom playing their own version of that third safety role? Early in that game, and I'm not going to pretend I watched every Notre Dame game last year, but I made sure I ran through a good chunk of the Oklahoma State-Notre Dame game again this week, just to double-check myself. They didn't throw to him early. He didn't have a target, like the first three series, because Notre Dame's quarterback was Noodle Arm Jack Cohn, the Wisconsin transfer. But it was Tommy Reese, the offensive play caller, who's who's back, who uh, during that game, it's interesting, they're talking, hey, is he going to follow Brian Kelly at LSU? That was discussed. It's not happening. He stayed. Marcus Freeman got him to stay. Former Notre Dame quarterback, I think, good young offensive mind. They didn't get the bottom enough early, and then they started feeding him. So he had a touchdown where he lined up three tight ends on the field. He has his hand down on the right side of the line. He gets matched up with Malcolm Rodriguez. He goes from right to left across the full range of the field. He gets Rodriguez on his back. He runs through him at the line of scrimmage. Rodriguez is right over him. He runs right through him and then gets him on his back. And then Jack Cohn just leads him. And Malcolm Rodriguez actually stays with him, has pretty good coverage, but he can't do anything about it because he's given up four inches and 50 pounds or 40 pounds. There's, he, there's nothing he can do. That's a problem. And then he scored another touchdown in the first half on a slant where he came in motion, got matched up with Tanner McAllister as that nickel corner ran a little slant. Again, box out with your body. Kind of have to squeeze it in, but got it to him. So I think he was like seven for 72 in that game, two touchdowns. He averaged, he, uh, among power five tight end, there were two guys, two tight ends who averaged more receiving yards per game than Mayer last year. Um, one was the guy who's it uh, with the Ravens right now, Isaiah Likely, who was like kind of went lower in the draft than people thought. Um, where was he from? Is he from Liberty? I can't remember. I'm sorry. And then Trey McBride, who was like the guy everybody loved from Colorado State. But Power 5 tight ends, Mayer averaged the most receiving yards of anybody in the country. He was like 51st in the country in receiving yards last year with 70 yards per game. I think he'll be potentially significantly above that this year. I think he'll be uh, a guy that Tyler Buckner as a young quarterback turns to. I don't know how Ohio State stops him, actually. Like, I don't know. Yes, you, there were moments and there were times, because frankly, watching that game, there's times where he's running down the seam and he's open against that, that Jim Knowles-style defense. He's open and Cone doesn't go to him. But there were times you could see where there was a third down in particular where they had the, the linebacker under him and the safety over top of him and they absolutely took him away. I'll be super curious how much Jim Knowles leans into taking him away because where else are you going to go? Well, you're going to go Lorenzo Styles, who's the brother of Sonny Styles, the son of Lorenzo Styles Sr., the former Ohio State 
player. Um, so Lorenzo Styles is is Notre Dame's best receiver. He had a hundred yard receiving game against Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl last year. He's their next best guy. Uh, they will go outlets. They'll go underneath with some running backs, right? We know Chris Tyree, right? They're going to do some of that stuff. Tyree had a big touchdown off a check down last year where Oklahoma State lost him, and he ran like 50 yards on a little little flip versus a blitz. So I, I'd watch out for that. I don't love it. Like, I don't love it for Ohio State. The Knowles scheme, take him away. I'll be curious how much they lean into that because I do think Mayer is obviously the best guy. So I appreciate the take here. I don't know if I agree with it. I would certainly go over three catches, and I I would go, I might go 100 yards for Michael Mayer, frankly. I might go like nine catches, 100 yards um, if I'm putting, if I'm making a stat prediction here. But from the 254, I appreciate where you're coming from, and I like the take, and it's, I've been a little obsessed with it because I, I just, I like how do I say this? I'm always on the lookout for guys that with the ball in their hands can be a problem for Ohio State because every game Ohio State has multiple guys that when they have the ball in their hands, they're a problem for the other team. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Henderson, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, right? Like you run down the list, Julian Fleming. And then sometimes Ohio State plays teams where it's like, yeah, eh, nobody. Who's a problem? Half a dude. There's a problem. So I think it's obvious. They'll talk about it a lot in the pregame. We've wanted to make sure that we are talking about it and talking about it on Buckeye Talk, writing about it at Cleveland.com because I think it's that big of a deal. We are not doing a ton with this. This is my fault. Some of this stuff falls through the cracks a little bit. There's a lot happening, but the 20th anniversary of the 2022 team, excuse me, the 2002 team is happening in this opener. They're having a big reunion Jim Trestle's going to be there. Ryan Day was asked about Jim Trestle on Tuesday, and we have a take here from the 419. I don't know that we're going to write that much about it. It's just, um, it's just, it's me. It's my fault. And there's just like a lot happening, and it's hard to get to everything. So uh, certainly there are other people doing stuff about the reunion of the 2002 team, and you guys can seek that out on the Google machine. Um, we'll cover it when it happens there. But uh, but just so you, I think you know that they're having a 20 year reunion of the national championship team. Trestle and a bunch of players will be in for the weekend. This is from the 419. As an architecture student back in the 1980s, I was always busy, and with a major project due, I couldn't make that week's game. But I stopped for a moment and left the Neil and 17th building to see Woody dot the I, and then went back to studio. Woody saluting the fans is something I'll never forget, and one of the most endearing memories as a student. With the 2002 team being honored, that's a great memory. Thanks for sharing that. With the 2002 team being honored this weekend, why is Jim Trestle not dotted the I? For all of us that lived through 9-3 and three Earl, who was 2-3 and three his last five years against Michigan, and 2-10-1 and one Cooper, which over an 18-year period we were 4-13-1 against uh, the school up north, Michigan, that's unthinkable for today's Buckeye fan. It was Jim Trestle that was the catalyst for the success we've enjoyed over the last 22 years. It's not like he punched a player on national television. It sure feels like Gene Smith's pride has blinded him to the truth and how Jim Trestle is so beloved by Buckeye Nation. Jim Trestle should dot the I from the 419. Jim Trestle should dot the I. That's a take. I could see it. And I don't know. I don't have any information on this. I have not called Tress. I have not called people around Tress. Maybe he will. I keep your eyes peeled. I keep your eyes peeled. Uh, when Tabittle's on the field, because maybe he will. It did 
take me a little bit by surprise. And right, you guys are with me on this. I, I, I don't want to get the timing wrong. 2012, it's the 10-year anniversary of the 2002 team. And they are there. And it is the year after, you know, two years removed from Trestle's dismissal. In 2010, they play the 2011 season with Luke Fickle at the helm. And they celebrate the 2002 title team. And they carry Trestle around on the field on their shoulders. The players do. And in that was so fresh right then. I was very surprised by that. That in that moment, when Ohio State was almost sort of like still suffering, you would say, the effects of what happened with the uh, Tattoo Gate situation, that they were celebrating. Of course, you celebrate that team, but clearly like Trestle was right in the middle of that celebration. And... I was a little surprised that it happened like that because I thought like this coach on players' shoulders in Ohio Stadium two years after his dismissal, when at that point in 2012, you didn't know. Now, Urban Meyer was here, but you didn't know for sure, for sure, for sure how this was going to go, right? Turns out all good. So dotting the I now, I almost think, I don't, I think you guys might agree with this. I don't know what would hold it back at this point. Because the Woody comparison is a pretty good one. Like, why, you know, Woody went out in controversy. Trestle went out in controversy. Urban Meyer went out in controversy and has had controversy since. And when the program kind of has a lot of stuff like that around it, and again, it's just kind of how it's been at Ohio State, um, None of it has risen to the highest, highest level as it has at some other universities with the things that have happened, you know, real world things, terrible real world things like at Penn State or just even more severe uh, NCAA violations. Um, it's not to just not to dismiss anything that happened at Ohio State. Ohio State's on the hook for for what for the rules Ohio State broke for the rules the coaches broke, for the things they did wrong, uh, they're on the hook for that. And I do think that they generally, at least in some way, are held accountable for that. Could Trestle dot the I? I think he could. Should Trestle dot the I? Man, I'm not so sure it's not a should. I almost, may, maybe I'll put a texture poll out there this week. Should Trestle dot the I? And if you're going to do it, like what better time than now? And maybe, I, I would Gene hold that back? Man, I don't know. I don't I don't have enough information to speak intelligently on this, but I don't necessarily think so. Who would stop that? That's a it's a lot of water under the bridge. And what Trestle did, all the things that the texter spelled out, what Trestle did in revitalizing this program and in leading the the renewal of the success against Michigan, I'll tell you what, like it's a compelling case. Maybe it's for the 25 year could could that be it? It's for the 25-year reunion, not the 20. So let's get that. Let's have that front of mind in five years because I think there's a lot to it where I don't even know if it deserves the right word, but I think a lot of fans would want it. And Woody's Woody. Woody's Woody. Who could you ever have better than Woody to dot the I? You know, Bob Hope. Earl did it, right? Earl then did do it. I, I remember when Earl did it. That was a big deal. Earl, Earl deserved it. But, but would there be something that would hold Jim Trestle back from deserve, from being considered the same way? I, I don't think so. So let's make it 
prediction. Let's, let's have a take. Let's have a rant. I think he'll do it in his life. I think he'll do it. I think we will see Jim Trestle dot the I someday. And again, knowing nothing, could it be Saturday? I, from the outside looking in, it sure seems like it's not impossible. I love that one. I love that kind of... I had not thought about that. Certainly, we'd thought about the 2022 team. I had not thought specifically about that. So from the 419, thank you uh, very much for sharing that. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more rants and takes on this Wednesday Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Doug Maurice back with you on this Wednesday Buckeye Talk. I'm actually recording this, unfortunately, Wednesday morning. I didn't get it done Tuesday night. It was my, it was my birthday on Tuesday, so I went out to dinner with my family. So uh, normal, normally I'll record this on Tuesday and get it to you bright and early overnight for Wednesday morning. It's a, getting up a little later than I wanted to uh, on Wednesday morning. couple things. Uh, I officially, officially announced this. We're going to have an extra Friday Buckeye Talk every week, and it's going to be T-Shoe. Tyler Shoemaker, who I have... Over the last four years, I think that he's been on the pod in various forms. He just was a loyal Ohio State fan that reached out to us, and then a loyal Ohio State tech subscriber that established a relationship with us in that way, Uh, just like a lot of you guys have, Buckeye Talk listeners and tech subscribers and people on Twitter and people who email and that kind of thing. And then he said, hey, I've got a system. And we started having him on to talk about lines and betting because he has a proprietary mathematical system that he has come up with. And he is now going to, I've said, I've called him the official, officially unofficial or unofficially official. He's the official bookmaker. Three, two, I'm just kidding. He's the official bookmaker of Buckeye Talk now. Tyler Shoemaker, he and I, every Friday, we will have a Buckeye Talk gambling pod, maybe called Betting the Bucks or Buckeye Bet, something like that. And he, we're going to talk about the Ohio State game that week. What is What does Tyler sort of think of if you would be interested in betting it? Would you give the points, take the points? What's the over-under? Is it a stay away? That kind of discussion where he'll talk about it as an Ohio State fan. Because we know, if you're listening to this, you're a fan first, right? You know, you might want to gamble on your team, but you might not want to. But then we're going to run through other interesting bets around the country. We'll probably do a bet uh, in each major conference, uh, Tyler will pick his, I'll pick mine, and we'll do kind of like a smart guy versus dumb guy kind of thing, which is basically what Buckeye Talk always is when I'm on. Um, and then we'll really get the money-making time where he's going to say, hey, I love this Akron game. I love this, um, you know, Appalachian State game, that kind of thing, where that's where he really finds a lot of uh, good info sort of in, in the margins where people aren't paying attention to those games enough. So 
Ohio does not officially have sports betting yet. It's going to be January 1. A lot of the rest of the country does. I also just kind of like listening to this stuff, even if you're not going to bet, because I think it's an interesting conversation. We're going to aim it certainly partially at people who want to bet. And we're going to aim it partially at like, you're not going to bet, but you just like talking about this stuff. And then I always think it's fun to see who's wrong and who's right. So we'll keep track with the big time bets, you know, me versus Tyler, who does better, but then he'll really get down to money making time on some stuff where I'm just going to sit back and let him roll. He's really smart. He's a really great guy. We're super excited that we got this done. We had been talking about it for a long time. I got very wound up about it. Uh, Our bosses did a fantastic job making this happen because we think it's really good content and we want him and we want him for you guys. So that's going to be the sixth pod each week. We're still going to have the normal on Friday, a game preview with me and Nathan and Steven, but then we're going to have a specific gambling pod with me and Tishu. We hope you guys join us for that. I also said, hey, what are some names for this? I called it a hot list, this pod, but I didn't think that's very interesting. Man, did the people come out with the names. The silver bullet points. That's pretty good. Like it's bullet points. We're going to talk about 10 bullet points, but it's the silver bullet points. Pretty pretty good. Buckeye bluster. I, I always like the word bluster. What, you could figure out why. Little Dougie's Island Adventure. I like anything labeled Little Dougie. And like I'm on an island here. Um, 10, what did I say? 10 takes to the kettle. I can't read my, my own handwriting on that. Sorry. Um, hump day hot takes. That's good. Because Wednesday's hump day. This person likes Wedding Crashers and Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn is at, at times, I think, has been an Ohio State fan where he's going hot route, hot route when they're playing pickup football in the uh, the plaid sweaters with the fancy boat people. Hot route, hot route. This person wants me to call this hot mic and go hot mic, hot mic. I like it. Rants upon a time. DLU, Douglas Maurice University. Dougie's Fresh Takes. I like that. This person says, firing away reckless and timely. What's the S word? Something that starts with an S, but it spells out farts, the farts pod. I really need better handwriting. My handwriting is atrocious. Firing away reckless and timely situations, the farts pod, F-A-R-T-S. Are you bucking me? Right? That's a good one. I like that. Um, 10 takes I love about you. Bakila Sunrise. Doug's Digs. Doug's Nugs. Um, maybe we'll pick one of those to talk about these 10 rants and takes that we're going to do every Wednesday. I kind of like silver bullet points. We'll have to see that if that's the one we pick. Maybe we'll have people vote. Again, if you want to be a part of it and be able to sub- submit takes and rant, 614-350-3315. All right. Number seven. I haven't gotten any of mine yet. This is still you guys from the 816. I don't care how good of an offseason Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg have had. CJ Hicks is the best linebacker on the roster. And if he's not starting by week 12, then I'm going to consider it Knowles' fault. Either because Knowles refuses to bench a veteran or because he's not developing Hicks properly. This is a tough needle to thread. I will go back to 2011 when they had Ryan Shazier. And every single week we asked Luke Fickle, why aren't you playing Ryan Shazier more? And that, in like a lost season, I really thought it was odd. Why aren't you playing Ryan Shazier more? This guy is giving you something that nobody on the roster has a chance to give you. Why isn't he in there? And I think it was because he was playing fast and aggressive, but he wasn't always doing it in the right gap. But he was just different. I do think C.J. Hicks is just different athletically. I think Chip Trainum 
is next up with that. So I kind of generally agree with this, and I don't think it's completely unfair unfair to put it on Knowles. Because you have to, like, talent has to win. So you have to get talent ready. So early, you go with the guys who know what they're doing. But then at the point is, you've got to get the most talented guys to know what they're doing. I know where this person's coming from. So we've seen guys who develop late in the year, the way Chris Olave in 2018 came on. And as a true freshman, gave you something in the Michigan game that was injury-related. Without an injury, would have he gotten that chance? No. But do you get C.J. Hicks ready? The way Steel Chambers came on last year. The way Tommy Eichenberg started out playing early, then wasn't playing, then played again. They've moved guys around. And so this is an area where I generally agree with the idea of, I just think they still need some more talent at the linebacker spot. And we all appreciate guys who know what they're doing, but make sure the most talented guys get to the point where they know what they're doing. Putting this on Knowles, and saying that this guy has got to start and got to play, I'm not against it. So this is something we'll monitor with C.J. Hicks. It's going to be hard for us to get a read on it. I would imagine we'll continue to ask about him. It's, listen, it's like Sonny Styles is different, right? Sonny Styles should be a high school senior. No one's saying Sonny Styles has to play. But they have some fi- as a safety who is people think is going to be great. Steven thinks is going to be great. But Hicks, I think it's fair, especially at a position where you're you're not you know, you're not taking AJ Hawk off the field. You're not taking Ryan Chazier off the field. So um, we'll keep that in mind. I like where that texture is coming from. Let's go to number six on our rants, bullet points, takes list from the 216. Having only six guys in the cornerback room will cost us a championship. This is interesting. Again, cornerback room. We are expecting on Saturday night, Denzel Burke and Cam Brown to be the starters. Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson to be your third and fourth corners as second-year players. And then you have uh, two true freshmen rounding out your six scholarship guys. The, because the, the way this would not be a six-person room would be if Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts were here. So if if that's kind of what we're... Like, if you're saying if Ryan Watts and Legend Cavazos were here, they'd be okay. Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts got a chance to play last year and weren't good enough. Now, could they have developed, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Garyon Conley wasn't good enough the first time he got on the field for Ohio State, and he developed the next year eventually into a first-round cornerback. So you leave room for development. I think g- generally, like, the co- the dip in the cornerback recruiting is real. It's the fact, it's not that Cavazos and Watts left. It's maybe that you didn't have some better guys in those classes that you lost Clark Phillips, that kind of thing that you didn't nail some of those guys down in the losing Halfley transition. We've talked about that talent dip a lot. Injuries are always a problem. And when you look back on a team that underachieved injuries are often part of it. I do think on the offensive line and at corner, you're, if you, if your top guys are playing, you're good. Like you're maybe very good. If the five offensive linemen play all year, they're in great shape. And they've had a great run of health on the offensive line. I remember, I guess, when Brandon Bowen got hurt a couple years ago, right? Was it Brandon? It was kind of like their first offensive line injury in like to a starter in like five or six or seven years. So if they keep these five guys healthy, they're great. If they have an injury or two, um, they could be in trouble. Michigan State, in the midst of the D'Antonio run, had a year where I think three or four of their 
offensive line starters got hurt and they went seven and six, kind of in between a run of, I think, maybe six of the eight years otherwise. They won double-digit games, and one of the the two years they didn't because they lost three starting offensive linemen. It's like, what are you going to do? Especially a place like Michigan State, you can't make up for that. Ohio State, you sometimes can. They can't right now, I think, at offensive line and corner. So this is a take that having only six is what will be will, what will cost you the national championship. I do think, if as they've shown, if it got really dicey, I think Cam Martinez would be a corner. If like you had season-ending alien abductions, I think Cam Martinez leaves the safeties room and is in the corner room full-time. And you might start doing some other stuff, too. You could really maybe get wild with trying to find some solutions there if it was really long-term stuff that happened early in the year. So I don't 100% agree with this, because, again, if it's the idea of if you kept Watson Cavazos, you'd have eight and you'd be fine, you've got to have guys who can get the job done. I don't think you can count on the true freshmen. I think at the moment they have four guys who can get the job done. Is four corners for two spots who can get the job done enough? Probably not. If you have any injuries. It's probably yes, actually. I mean, if you went back through the history of Ohio State football, how often did you need more than four corners? Probably not that often. I don't know. How often do you need it? So I know where the person's coming from. I don't a thousand percent agree with it, but I know where they are. All right, let's do a quick thing. This is me. This is number five. And this is about playing Notre Dame. Someone was asked about, um, should ask Ryan Day, like, should Ohio State play Notre Dame more? I, I almost think that they should get in a cycle here. And, and Gene could help make this happen. Number one, I think Notre Dame is going to wind up in the Big Ten. So this is going to be moot. And then Ohio State is going to play Notre Dame on the regular. If for some reason Notre Dame doesn't, and this is actually what I would always do with Notre Dame is like, hey, you know how you like to play Big Ten teams? You know a good way to play Big Ten teams on a regular basis? Be in the Big Ten. Otherwise, we're not playing you. It's a little bit cut off your nose to spite your face, but I kind of would go. I mean, it's it's confrontational. And then you like you force Notre Dame into the Big Ten, and then Notre Dame's like, you made us do this. It's like, like parenting, right? Do you want to encourage your kids to do something? You do want to force them to do something. This happens a lot on the Ohio State beat, and I know it's funny. I've just been talking with people. You guys really loved when we did that uh, last year. We did the two-part series where we had all the Ohio State beat writers on, and we talked about covering Ohio State. This comes out. This has come up multiple, multiple, multiple times in in my career being around Ohio State. Um, it's like these. The, what's the call? The clause called a non-compete clause, where a guy works for an Ohio State site. And then wants to go to a different Ohio State site and they have it in their contract that like you can't leave for you can't work for another site for a year. And it's actually interesting to me because it's a lot like or six months or whatever it is. It's a lot like Ohio State. Sort of the discussion of when you have a great player at Ohio State, why is the player famous? Why is the player marketable? Is because is it because of Ohio State providing him the opportunity or is it because the player is tremendously skilled and worked really hard and is so talented he was going to succeed no matter what and then he lifts Ohio State right or is Ohio State lifting him of course in the best situations it's both but I think sometimes with these non-competes it's like hey we as a site help make you famous or make give you an opportunity to do your job which then you became popular with Ohio State fans and now Ohio State fans want to follow you wherever you go so we as the site we're not going to let you go and then the person's like, well, I'm great at this. So why should I be penalized? Because I'm really good. Because while I was at the site, I helped lift the site. So if you're a site, do you want to encourage somebody to stay? How do you get somebody to stay? 
you create a great work environment. You give them support and freedom to do their job at the highest level, and you pay them well. Do you want to encourage, or do you want to say, eh, if you leave, it's in your contract, you can't work for another Ohio State site for six months to a year? I think it's better to do the first thing. And then if it gets to a point where you just can't afford somebody and another site can, then you have to believe in yourself as, a, as an employer to find the next great talent and ha- provide an opportunity for somebody else who's going to be just as good or better. And with best of luck to that person as they leave and go somewhere else and have their own success, right? And they helped your site while they were there, and now they're off to do their own thing. I just think non-competes are weird. I guess I'm sure there are people listening to this who would say they're very common in the business world. I just think I'd rather encourage than force. Right? You guys get that from me. Buckeye Talk. We encourage. We don't force you to listen. Actually, that would be a great idea. What could I do to force people to listen? Could I bribe you? I could bribe you or I could blackmail you to listen. Hmm. Okay. So I got to work on that. So anyway... Getting Notre Dame into the Big Ten. Do you want to encourage them to join the Big Ten? We make a lot of money over here. You should join us. Look at our TV contract. Or do you want to force them to join the Big Ten? If you don't join the Big Ten, our teams will never play you again. Probably encourage. I think Ohio State should have a rivalry with Notre Dame. I think Ohio State and Notre Dame should play a home-and-home every decade. And they haven't done this since the 90s. This is, um, like, in the great big wide world of... You want Ohio State to play Alabama. That home-and-home series on the docket for 27 and 28 is like going to be the culmination of my career. I'm so excited for it. But they've played USC. They've played Texas. They've played Miami, Florida. They've played Washington. They've played Oklahoma. All of that is great. I think every fifth series being Notre Dame it sounds right to me. I, I think that's what it should be. The fact that Ohio State's athletic director is a Notre Dame grad and Notre Dame's head coach is an Ohio State grad – Makes this interesting. Gene Smith and Marcus Freeman are really close. There are so many connections between these two schools. Um, I know in talking to Gene that he doesn't love this game being the opener. He actually tried to move it so that Ohio State would not open with Notre Dame. Next year, it's not the opener. That's the weird thing. You've really got to work with Notre Dame because they're playing an independent schedule and you've got to sort of shove them in between sometimes. So next year, it's like week three or four. Gene does not love, Ryan Day does not love that this is the opener, right? That you don't have some kind of warm-up before you play a game this big against an opponent this talented. So in an ideal world, they wouldn't do that. But should they play more? Like, the answer is yes. And I almost would borderline rant about it. Because as great as it is to play Oklahoma, Texas, and USC, these guys, kings of the north, right? Go out into the world, but make sure you defend your kingdom once a decade with your own tournament, right? And the North, I think that's right. So maybe I'll do a, a survey on that and get a response. Should they play? Um, should they make sure they're playing at least every decade? I, I think maybe a lot of people would agree with that. And then again, you're maybe you're giving up the theoretical, oh, we had this schedule with Tennessee, or oh, we were going to play, UC, you know, UCLA is in the Big Ten now. Oh, we were going to play, um, you know, Georgia or whatever. Well, okay. That's all great, but I think Notre Dame every decade is good. Let's go to the next one. Okay, this one is from the 614. If the Ohio State defensive ends can't get home against Notre Dame and get more than four sacks, I have little faith they will be able to win a national title. I think this is emblematic of defensive issues that held Ohio State back in years past. And this uh, needs the most dramatic improvement if the team wants to compete on a national stage. So... 
Do they need to get more sacks? Yes. Is it going to happen against Notre Dame? I don't know. So Jarrett Patterson is one of the best interior offensive linemen in the country. I guess he's moving from center to guard this year for Notre Dame. He's hurt. He reportedly has a foot sprain. Marcus Freeman said on Monday that he's questionable. We don't know if he's going to play in this game. My guess is he'll try to play. Just like great players in moments like this. Guys who have been through. He's a multi-year starter. will try to play. Their tackles are both second-year guys. Both class of 2021 guys. Right tackle is Joe Alt. He played last year, started the, eight, the last eight games. Left tackles Blake, Blake Fisher, who was the number 55 recruit in the country in the class of 2021. Both pretty big-time dudes. Blake Fisher was injured last year, but he won the job as a true freshman at left tackle last year. They're kind of their version of Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson, frankly. They're big. And listen, like people are doing offensive line rankings and stuff heading into the season. Some places rank Notre Dame as having the best offensive line in the country. So... This is not where I would draw the line for Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, and JT Tuimolo out. Like, if you can't get four sacks against these guys, you're in trouble. Tyler Buckner, first year, first year starting quarterback, going to make his first start. Uh, good athlete, right? But young guy, might have some deer in the headlights moments. Maybe that opens some things up. I don't know if the Ohio State defensive ends are going to win all their matchups. You know, how often they'll win their matchups with these tackles. It's a really good battle. It's probably something that we haven't talked or written about enough yet. Um, we, we talked about, I think, Isaiah Foskey as a defensive end for Notre Dame is really good. Paris Johnson was asked about that on Tuesday, facing up against a guy like that. Paris said, that's why I'm here. Certainly, Foskey will end up going against Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson. But listen... Foskey might be a first-round guy, and that's a guy that some of you guys brought up in your rants. Paris Johnson certainly feels like a first-round guy. I think Dewan Jones, peak, is a first-round guy. I think JT Tumaloa and Jack Sawyer, their peaks are first-round guys. But I think Joe Alt and Blake Fisher might be first-round guys. So this matchup, all second-year guys, JT and Jack versus Alt and Fisher... These ends and these tackles, this is huge. And just make sure you understand that these Notre Dame guys are pretty good. And by the way, let's get back to that matchup in 2023. We will not be kind of, oh, forgetting to talk about that until the Wednesday of game week. We'll be talking about that all offseason, even though it's not going to be the opener. That idea of those tackles back as third-year guys and JT and Jack back as third-year ends um, is going to be huge. And again, I just think... There's, there's a lot of things right now that feel like lines up. It's a 17 and a half point line, and it could be tough for Notre Dame, right? First regular season game for Marcus Freeman. First regular season game as a starter for Tyler Buckner. First and foremost among them. Lose your one of your better receivers, like is Patterson going to play? A couple things like that for Notre Dame, where the Ohio State offense is ready to roll. Uh, the Ohio State defense is on the upswing. Get back to me next year. Like I, th- I think just in 2023, there could be a lot of things where it feels like it's leaning toward Notre Dame as Ohio State might be working some new guys in, even though we previously had said, will the 2023 Ohio State team be the greatest team in college football history? Maybe they will be, but they also might be facing one of the three best teams in the country in South Bend on the road. So can Ohio? I think Ohio State can win without getting four sacks. I think that is clear because I think the Ohio State offense can dominate this game. Generally, does Ohio State need to sack the quarterback more often and have game-changing plays by their defensive ends? Yes. I don't know that this is the game to get a do-or-die read on that. So, appreciate where the texture is coming from. I think it's important to talk about. I'm glad you brought it up. 
Um, but don't go too far if they don't have a bunch of sacks on Saturday night. Don't put your head in your hands and say, oh, no, you know, the defensive ends aren't going to be good this year. Or they're not going to be good enough because I think they might be. All right, this is me. I wanted to come back with where Ryan Day is mentally. And this just popped to me because, and we've kind of talked about it here. I, You could feel, I'll give my caveat. Losing is not a plus. Hey, you lost. Congratulations. Because now losing motivates you to win. But there are the ebbs and flows of failure as a driver, success. It can be hard to stay on top. We all know those things are true, but you'd still always rather win than lose. Okay. I don't like writing stories. Oh, the best thing ever was that this team lost. Weren't they so lucky? No, they didn't want to lose. It, it was the, the, the bad thing happened. So then it's okay for things to be bad. You, you then try to make the best of the situation, but don't act like the bad thing happening was better than the good thing happening. Ryan Day asked about, ugh, again, these questions like, hey, you're the number one team. How do you do? I think they're not good questions, but sometimes they take you to pretty good answers. That idea, Ohio State highly ranked, picked by everybody to make the playoff, picked by a lot of people to make the national championship game. And sometimes it's like you sit in the Ohio State press conference and simultaneously we're telling Ohio State that everybody believes in them and everybody doubts them and all of those things should somehow play in their favor. Like, oh, nobody believes in this team. Listen, it's not that nobody believes in this team. It's that the defense wasn't very good last year. How do we know? Because they fired people. Gosh, I hate some of that stuff. All the doubters. What do you mean the doubters? The doubters are in the building. Because people lost their jobs because it wasn't good enough. This is not fans and media being like, I don't know about the defense. It's people in the building saying the defense was so bad, three guys aren't here anymore. <laughs> so like what, do you, like, what do you want us to say? I, it's, it's weird. They should be doubted. Based on last year, with the last time we saw them, there should be doubts about this defense. And we're going to get to that in a minute. There should be doubts. It's not a personal affront. So we have to ask about that, all right? But then the idea of like, oh, everybody thinks you're going to be great. How do you handle that? I don't know, because you're Ohio State and it happens every year. So uh, th there's always like 10 questions about that. And everybody wants to ask their version of that question. And it's like, can we just ask it once? Because it's all the same stuff. But sometimes you do get some answers in there. Um, Ryan Day, I think we've had an excellent preseason. I think the attitudes have been excellent. I think the toughness has been excellent. I think their attention to detail, the edge that they've had. This team wants to be good. And they have an edge to it where they feel like they have something to prove. But that doesn't mean anything until you play the game on Saturday night. So we'll keep working on that. So he talked heads. And then he said, nobody has big heads. Um, I think coming off of last year, there's no big heads. I mean, this team is hungry. This team has been hungry. It's And we've got to go in this first game. They know that. So there's no big heads on this team right now. We've got a lot to prove. Here's where I think it's interesting to me. A year ago, all, all we noticed in the preseason was Ryan Day saying, hey, man, if you lose one game, you know, in college football, it can ruin your whole season. You can't lose. You can't lose because he hadn't lost. That's not the talk anymore because they lost. They lost two regular season games and it kept them from what they wanted to do. They had a talent to be a playoff team last year and they weren't. If it had been the NFL, they would have made the playoff and they might have made a run. So he's talking about an edge and it's a different view. There's not a burden. Last year, I thought in the preseason, you could feel the burden of success a little bit with the way Ryan Day was talking. 
And now they talk about the motivation of failure. No big heads. Nobody's worried about where they're ranked in the preseason because they weren't good enough last year. They're hungry. They have something to prove. Um, I think that is all probably true. And I do think as much as some of that year to year is mumbo jumbo, I think some of it affects the football. And I think there might be enough of it this year that affects the football in a way that like they'll be ready to go. So if you think that they might be susceptible from an emotional or mental standpoint against Notre Dame, I, I don't think they will be. Scheme matters, right? That kind of thing, right? Talent matters. Emotions, I think they're in their corner. Because I do think I do think it makes sense that they have an edge, and I do think it makes sense that they don't have big heads. All right. And I, and I think it... I only talk about this stuff when I think it rises to the level of mattering. The rest of it is just, I can't think of a story for Thursday, so I'm going to write team not overlooking opponent, team wary of uh, 30 point underdogs, which is like my least favorite kind of sports talk. Oh, yeah, God. It's like, can we just have a real conversation? Why do we have to blow smoke on stuff? So I hate blowing smoke, but I, I, I am talking about this because I think it rises above the level of blowing smoke. It would be like blowing. Uh... <laughs> I'll stop there. Okay. When we come back, we'll do our last two things at Buckeye Talk. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Doug Lamarie is back with you guys on this Wednesday pod that we have to name. Thursday will be Rapid Fire. Doug, Nathan, Stephen. Friday, preview pod, Doug, Nathan, Stephen. And Buckeye Talk Gambling Pod, Doug and T-Shoe. Saturday, boy, it's going to be late. Woo, mama. We might, ah, wow, man, we have to figure out what we're going to do. Night games are tough with the post-game pod. Would we allow ourselves to sleep and do it Sunday morning? Would we allow ourselves to sleep? I don't know. We have to think about that. We want to get it to you guys fast. Ah, will we sleep? Will we sleep? I feel it more. I do feel it more. I used to be a nighttime person, and I would laugh at morning people. And my brain doesn't function at night anymore. So I wind up doing a lot of stuff where it's to the point of like, I, I didn't get everything done I wanted to do in a day. And I just have to go to bed. Because if I try to talk or write... I'm going to even make less sense than I normally do. So I'm much better off getting up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning and knocking stuff out in the morning because if it's after 10 o'clock at night, it's the thing. It's like we wind up sometimes doing a lot of work at 10 o'clock at night. I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for us. It's just weird. It's our own fault sometimes. But it's like most people don't work at 10 o'clock at night. So you're not your sharpest, especially when you get old. So we got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. I am always 
this is you get back into a football scene it's like oh yeah i cover football oh wait what do i do how do i do this this is my 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 18th year covering Ohio State football. And sometimes every September, I'm like, what do you do again? So we got to figure that out. Last two, this one is you guys from the six, uh, no, the 513. Hey, Doug, it's Lane and Cincy here. This season will be the beginning of Ryan Day replacing Nick Saban as the best coach in college football. He will beat Saban in the playoffs this year uh, and next, and Saban will retire before the Ohio State versus Alabama home-and-home series. So I always am fascinated by this idea of when you have a legend in your midst and you don't know it yet. Hmm. What was it like with Woody Hayes in 1954? This guy seems pretty good. I, you know, they wanted to get that guy who runs the fancy offense, but uh, they got this guy from Miami, Ohio. He, he seems pretty good. I mean, they wanted him. He's good. Yeah, he's a good football coach. Uh, Woody, you know. And then he becomes Woody Hayes. Like, what if, I, I think about that kind of stuff a lot. Like, what if Ryan Day is, hey, it's a guy from New Hampshire. Oh, Ryan Day. Hey, he's, he's cool. He's a nice guy. Everyone thinks he's like a normal dude. Hey, look, I was like noticing Ryan Day, and I was almost going to do a, a, a post on this. The beard is permanent now. And just in in three years from 2019, here I am ready for my first full season of Ohio State's head coach. Here he is in 2022. Different guy. Not as fresh-faced, right? It's not just the beard. It's like everybody. You do this stuff with presidents, right? Oh, my gosh. The guy's been president for four years. It looks like he's aged 20 years. Ryan Day hasn't aged 20 years. But he was like a fresh-faced pup when he took over. He's not a fresh-faced pup anymore. He's like a... He's a man. He's 40. So I think it's possible that happens and i do think the and we shahan and i have this shahan jaharaj and i in the college football survivor show and again i hope you guys are listening to that giving it a shot uh where shahan and i will be making our playoff picks over there this week and then we just do a lot of breakdowns ohio state it's all about the playoff but ohio state's always part of that the lincoln riley ryan day debate right lincoln riley the splashy hire in la lincoln riley's a little splashier i'm not exactly sure why but it almost makes me wonder, like, oh, what would it have been like? How would the national media and the national college football perception, what it would have been like if Ryan Day left Ohio State for USC instead of Lincoln Riley? Would have been, would it have been accepted in a similar way? Because I don't, maybe it's because he's from New Hampshire. I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're right here in the backyard with Ryan Day. I just think maybe it wouldn't be viewed like quite as splashy, but. When people talk football about those two guys, there's a lot of similarities. And we had, Shahan and I had a pretty good debate when we were ranking the coaches of playoff teams on the Survivor Show a couple weeks ago. It's like, who do you think's done a better job? Well, you know, Ryan Day has been to a title game. Lincoln Riley's never won a semifinal. Well, who got set up better? Well, Ryan Day was probably, was there's no probably, was set up better by Urban Meyer than, than Bob, uh, Lincoln Riley was set up by Bob Stoops. But it's, it's in the ballpark of each other. So... In the end, I do think this is one of those things that, again, I think Gene Smith, this will be, he'll be very happy to have this be one of his things that he claims. Like, I think they did identify something with Ryan Day, right? I do think there's something about this guy, but you don't know for sure yet. It's a little bit of a fork in the road with the defensive side of the ball stuff, but I think with what we see, what he's done with the mental health, health initiative, what he's done with the tough love kind of stuff, you know, with what he's done of, feels like he's a real dude, but he'll get on you when he needs to, and... He supports the players, but he'll 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 jump them if they need 
you know, to be motivated. He's made some tough decisions with the staff and fired some guys and brought in new people. I think that's always a thing that you have to sort of test out with the head coach. So I don't think we can pretend and assume with Ryan Day, but is it possible that Ryan Day is at the beginning of a historic career? Yeah. I mean, that's possible. Will anybody ever best Woody? No, I don't think so. But like, what happens if Ryan Day is here until he's 70? Um, So that prediction that Ryan Day drives out Nick Saban, I do think if there's an offensive revolution and Saban feels like his style of defense can't keep up, he's stayed with the offensive revolution, but they've been propped up a little bit and it's within the rules. So like kudos to them. They've done really well in the transfer portal. And we've talked about that. They're going to play, you know, three of their four best skill guys are transfer portal guys this year, two of their starting receivers and their starting running back. If you don't have a transfer portal, they're in a very different situation. Plus their middle linebacker, Henry To'o's transfer guy. That was a line in the sand a little bit a couple years ago where it felt like for a while, Ohio State was maybe going to get him from Tennessee and he goes to Bama instead. Think about Ohio State linebackers the last couple of years. Think about Alabama linebackers. And then they get Eli Ricks at corner from LSU. They have five huge guys. They have Jermaine Burton from Georgia, Ty Harrell from Louisville as as two of their three best receivers, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech as their running back. You know, Ohio State's been strategic in the portal. Bama's been let's go in the portal. Jamison Williams, right? So uh, I do think if Saban felt like these uh, this offensive style of the game is it's just too much offense. I can't keep up. And the stuff has changed with NIL and the portal and all that. He's made it work to his advantage so far. But I actually don't think it's going to drive out Saban. He just signed an eight-year contract. He's 70, and he has an extension through 2030, which would take him through the Ohio State Series in 27 and 28. I'm at the point now where I I would be now surprised if he's not there in 27 and 28. So, Will Ryan Day drive out Nick Saban? No, I don't agree with that. Four years from now, three years from now, when people are ranking the best coaches in college football, could it be that Nick Saban is no longer number one when he's been kind of the obvious number one on that list for a decade? I could see a path, and could Ryan Day be there instead? I could see a path. But at the moment, for right now, I still think you have to see Saban as a roadblock. And we talked about that on our on our sort of season prediction show for the for the season for this year. Like it's it's getting a little bit to the point of like, hey, there are some really good college basketball programs, you know, in the sixties and seventies that got roadblocked by John Wooden and UCLA. We may have to just take into account that Saban roadblocked some people here in this college football era. Doesn't mean it's an excuse for Ohio State not winning a national title under Ryan Day. They need to. But um, I don't think anyone's driving out Saban. But man, the idea of Ryan Day, again, it's sort of hard for me to wrap my head around that because at the moment, Ryan Day is just this guy who had never been a head coach and he came from the NFL and he was from New Hampshire and he beat Don Brown and he sort of surprisingly became the head coach. And all of a sudden, oh, is he the right guy? And then they make the playoff the first two years. And now like that regular old dude might be a, might be a a legend in the history of college football if this texter is right 50 years from now where Ryan Day's place is like that breaks my brain sometimes because to us right now he's just Ryan Day I don't think it's impossible and I like the take let's do this as our last one and this is guess what sort of like the overriding theme of much of what I got from the texters there's a split 
on whether people are all in on the Ohio State defense or possibly nervous that it's a little overrated and we're too excited about it. From the 419, I recently rewatched the Ohio State versus Michigan game and re-listened to the Where Ohio State's Defense Failed Against Michigan episode of the pod in December. After going through the players on the field during the Blake Corm 55-yard run, Doug commented, who did we expect to make that play? I took that as implying that with the personnel on the field, there weren't any guys who could shed a block and make a big play when times are getting tough. Why should we expect anything different this year with essentially the same personnel? Uh, save for some spots in the defensive line. I do think there will be some improvement, but I question if it will be that pronounced with a physical team. Who could be that dude this year to make the big play when the offense is trying to stuff the ball down their throat? Love the pod, Ethan. This is a valid point. New scheme, a lot of the same guys. And last year, it wasn't only scheme. There was a component of it that was and still remains a bit of a talent dip. So, When you run through the guys that you expect, let's think about crunch time for this Ohio State defense. Who are the 11 guys that would be on the field in crunch time against Notre Dame? Let's make some assumptions. Uh, Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor, Tanner McAllister, maybe Lathan Ransom or Court Williams instead, but let's say Tanner McAllister, Denzel Burke, Cam Brown. Okay, which of those guys weren't here last year? Well, you didn't have Josh Proctor because he wasn't healthy. And you didn't have Tanner McAllister because he was at Oklahoma State. As it stands right now, Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. Okay, they were both around last year. Defensive line. You're going to have some mix of Teron Vincent, Jerron Cage, Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton at defensive tackle. Who among those guys wasn't around last year? They were all around. And then defensive end, Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, JT Tumaloa. Who wasn't around last year? They were all around. Now, so who's new? Healthy Proctor, Ad McAllister. Who jumps? I think Sawyer and Tumaloa in year two, reasonable jumps. Steel Chambers, Denzel Burke in year two, potential reasonable jump. Steel Chambers sort of figuring out the linebacker position, potential jump. But who's going to make that play? Where's Malik Hooker? Where's Marshawn Lattimore? Where's Ryan Shazier? Where's A.J. Hawk? Where's James Laurinaitis? I think it's a reasonable question. And I don't think for sure we think the answer is, oh, no, no, that's that 11, definitely enough. I don't, I would not go there. Maybe. And the scheme lifts them. Maybe enough, for sure enough, especially if it's a run game, right? And you're taking JT and Jack and Zach out of it as pass rushers. That's not what it's about. I think JT's really good against the run, right? I think Zach can be really good against the run. Maybe Jack will be too. So I know where the texture is going here. And I think you're split. About how, there were, you know, if we got more than 100, I mean, probably. 60 or to 70 of the 100 were defense related. And I think it was pretty split on this defense is going to be like 2019. This is the Chase Young, Jeff Okuda defense. I love where it's at. No doubts. And are we sure it's going to be that much better? You're split on that. And I don't... I would have the doubts, but if I had to bet I think I would bet on it'll be good enough to not hold them back the way that you would say the defense did hold them back last year. That's a hedge by me because I'm not sure I have a rant or a harder take than that on it because I think it's hard to figure out. 
probably my general take is the overall talent level on the defense is still not up to the Ohio State standard. Now, when you start working in C.J. Hicks, and when you start working in Sonny Styles next year, and when you start working in Jordan Hancock, and when Jack Sawyer and J.T. Tuimaloa have even more experience, and when Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall are starting defensive tackles, and when Denzel Burke is in year three, and when Lathan Ransom pops as a dude, that's a different conversation. We're not there yet. We're not there. We're not there for Saturday night yet. So I think asking this question, I think you have to ask that question. Who for sure on that field of 11 is going to make that play against Notre Dame? Who's going to make that tackle on, tackle on Michael Mayer? Who's going to track down that running back on a screen, right? Who's going to help? Who's going to make sure that someone's not running through the defense the way Rondale Moore did in 2018? I think it's reasonable to ask about that. You guys are split. And the thing that I wanted to talk about was Jim Knowles saying on Tuesday, on Saturday, your mistakes are my fault. He said, I'm on you during the week, but on game day, if you make a mistake, it's because I didn't prepare you well enough. And he said, as soon as players understand that you really care about them, they buy in. I think we're at that point. I like, I think you guys should believe in Jim Knowles' relationship with this defense and in the ability of the scheme to at least make it better. Is it, does it fix every single thing? I think in general, if you're just like disguising stuff a little bit and make it harder for the offense, that's good. Because the issue is, if you have Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and you rush four and play press man, guess what? That's probably going to work because you have first-round players. If you don't have first-round players, you need more help with the scheme. Last year, they didn't have first-round players. They didn't have a defender drafted higher than the fifth round. That's just reality. Tyreek Smith went in the fifth round. Haskell Garrett didn't make a roster in the NFL this year, right? That's what we're talking about. It's just reality, right? And then the scheme didn't lift you up. So there's a lot of it when Jim Knowles got here of like, hey man, like at Oklahoma State and Duke and places like that, your scheme's lifting up talent that's not Ohio State talent. Well, right now the Ohio State talent's not Ohio State talent all the way for what Ohio State has often been. It's better. Get some Jordan Hancock out there more, it's better. Get a little Cam Martinez out there more, it's better. Get a defensive line working of Tyleek Williams, Mike Hall, JT Tumaloa, Jack Sawyer, let's go. All second-year guys, let's go. And then let's see what that looks like in 2023. But it's not to the Ohio State standard yet. Not the standard I've seen. Not the standard you guys have seen. You guys, any Ohio State person knows this. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to blow smoke on this. Like, right? It's, it's not there. Where are your superstars? Let's do a superstar search. But you can see how there's possibilities. But I think it's a really relevant question. I thought it was a great way to end our rant and take discussion. We'll try to find a name for this. I'll get better at it, right? I'm sweating. I sit in this room and I sweat because I don't want to have the air conditioner on because then you guys might hear it in the background. I'm an old man in an empty room sweating into a microphone. Buckeye talk. That's maybe what we'll call this. this. An old man sitting in a room. An old man sitting in an empty room sweating into a microphone. That might be too long for a headline colon Buckeye Talk. We'll work on that. This is what this Wednesday pod is going to be like. If you hate it, come back for the Thursday pod. Skip this one. I want to run through what matters for Ohio State, right? And one thing for Nathan and Steven, we love having them on here. They've got to write. They've got to report. And sometimes off of Tuesday, you're reacting to what was said. And like, we all react in the same way. Hey, what do you think about Jim Knowles saying, if you make a mistake, it's on me. I don't know that we're going to have like divisive opinions on that. So if they're not here for that, I think that's okay. But I need you guys. I need co-hosts. You're my co-hosts. So thanks to the Texas for being part of it. Nathan, Steve, and I will be back with a rapid-fire Q&A on Thursday. Look forward to Tissue and betting the bucks. 
as one of the Friday pods, super fired up. Buckeye Talk continues to grow because you guys continue to be here for us. Uh, we couldn't be more excited to do this pod. We couldn't be more enthused about this audience. We couldn't be more enthused about our tech subscribers at 614-350-3315, who are absolutely the producers of this podcast every day. You make us better with your ideas and your opinions and your questions. We couldn't do it without you. And we're fired up for a great game to open this Ohio State season that certainly has a chance to end with a national title for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Read cleveland.com slash OSU Wednesday. Um, some great stories up there. Nathan has a big Jim Knowles story, sort of about what Jim Knowles talked about on Tuesday. And then we're finishing up the Kings of the North. We've gotten good reaction to Kings of the North. People seem to like it. Steven's third part, that'll be up there at cleveland.com very soon for now. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Little Dougie's Island Adventure. No, it wasn't. We're not going to go with that one. There's, you feed my ego with, like, put Doug's name in it, Doug's Nugs. And that was Doug's Nugs. As I, I mean, come on. I'd wear, I might make a one-person t-shirt order that just says Doug's Nugs. Although that could lead to some questions as well. So we'll figure out a name, but for now, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.